Hey, it's Dr. G. And whether you've been a longtime listener or you're new to the podcast, welcome. Have you ever felt like you wanted to start over or reinvent your life? If so, I want to invite you to tell me all about it. I really need your advice. And to reward you for your time, I'm going to be choosing nine listeners to join me on a free one-on-one relaunch game plan call. This call is designed to help you get clear on your specific goals so you can relaunch your life. To join in and be eligible for the free call, go to discover.drgordon.me. That's discover.drgordon.me and answer all the questions. I look forward to reading your responses and talking to you soon. Thanks for your help and thanks for launching your life with me. Hi, this is the Launch Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Today on the podcast, I'm talking more about the brain and memory, waking up in fifth grade, and much more. Now, I'm also talking about the impact of child sexual abuse. Some of what I recount may be triggering for some people, and I'm not going into any graphic detail, but I am recounting some of my memories. If you find yourself experiencing flashbacks of trauma, please reach out to a qualified mental health professional. As always, I welcome your feedback. Feel free to email me, drg at drgordon.me, or send me a text message on Instagram. That's Dr. Michelle Gordon, all spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. For the latest episodes, go to launchyourlifepodcast.com. And if you like the podcast, please take a moment to give it a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and share widely with your friends. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe, hit that thumbs up. Last time, I left you with some thoughts on change, an embarrassing moment from ballet, Catholic school, and the fascinating way my brain protected me. To be caught up, I recommend you listen to or watch episodes 161 to 165. Now, I haven't had the opportunity to interview others who survived childhood sexual assault, but every time I bring it up, a greater than expected percentage of the audience claims, me too. Now, unfortunately, children have been sexual objects for as long as humans have existed. In researching for this episode, I came across an actual scholarly publication called Journal of Child Sexual Abuse. It's sad, really, that many children are not protected by those who bear and rear them. Of course, I use the word rear loosely and maybe even a little tongue-in-cheek since the detrimental effects of childhood sexual trauma are far-reaching. According to victimsofcrime.org, The prevalence of child sexual abuse is difficult to determine because it's often not reported. Experts agree that the incidence is far greater than what is reported to authorities. Child sexual assault is also not uniformly defined, so statistics may vary. Now, here's some current statistics from victimsofcrime.org. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Children's Bureau report child maltreatment 2010 found that 9.2% of victimized children were sexually assaulted. Studies by David Finkelhorn, director of the Crimes Against Children Research Center, show that one in five girls and one in 20 boys is a victim of child sexual abuse. Self-reported studies show that 20% of adult females and 5 to 10% of adult males recall a childhood sexual assault or sexual abuse incident. 
During a one-year period in the U.S., 16% of youth ages 14 to 17 had been sexually victimized. Over the course of their lifetime, 28% of youth ages 14 to 17 had been sexually victimized. Children are most vulnerable to childhood sexual assault between the ages of 7 and 13. According to a 2003 National Institute of Justice report, three out of four adolescents who have been sexually assaulted were victimized by someone they knew well. A Bureau of Justice Statistics report shows 1.6%, that's 16 out of 1,000, of children between the ages of 12 and 17 were victims of rape or sexual assault. A study conducted in 1986 found that 63% of women who had suffered sexual abuse by a family member also reported a rape or attempted rape after the age of 14. Recent studies in 2000, 2002, and 2005 have all concluded similar results. Children who had an experience of rape or attempted rape in their adolescent years were 13.7 times more likely to experience rape or attempted rape in their first year of college. A child who is the victim of prolonged sexual abuse usually develops low self-esteem, a feeling of worthlessness, and an abnormal or distorted view of sex. The child may become withdrawn and mistrustful of adults and can become suicidal. Now, I can actually attest to that because that is how I felt growing up, even though I had a lot of resilience, even though I had a strong spunk, I still have feelings, even now, of worthlessness and not being good enough. Now, children who do not live with both parents, as well as children living in homes marked by parental discord, like divorce or domestic violence, have a higher risk of being sexually abused. In the vast majority of cases where there is credible evidence that a child has been penetrated, only between 5 and 15% of those children will have genital injuries consistent with sexual abuse. Child sexual abuse is not solely restricted to physical contact. Such abuse could include non-contact abuse such as exposure, voyeurism, and child pornography. Compared to those with no history of sexual abuse, young males who were sexually abused were five times more likely to cause teen pregnancy, three times more likely to have multiple sexual partners, and two times more likely to have unprotected sex, according to the study published June 12, 2022 in the Journal of Adolescent Health. If you'd like to read this again or learn more about victims of crime, go to victimsofcrime.org, child-sexual-abuse-statistics. About one in four American girls and women experience some form of sexual abuse in their lifetime. I wish I could say my childhood experience was unique, and I suppose it is in that it is mine alone in the way I endured it, but sexual exploitation of children is all too common, as the statistics above have just said. Now, in addition to my grandfather, most probably a priest, and other men I have only vague glimpses of in nightmares, my oldest brother chose me as his sexual outlet during puberty. I don't know when he first approached me about sex. He was four years older than me, which is forever in the life of a child. He was a horny teenager. I was a prepubescent child with an unnatural knowledge of physical closeness. The memories are few and fleeting because my brain walled off a lot of the actual memories. I imagine in order to endure it, I simply disassociated from reality. Disassociation, according to dictionary.com, is to sever association with oneself. I turned 10 years old in fourth grade. Mrs. Elliott was my teacher. She was a nervous middle-aged woman who obsessively clenched her jaw and fists whenever lining us up. Her classroom was in the forward section of the school with windows that looked out over the flagpole and expansive lawn in the front of the school. 
My desk was the third in the third row from the door to the classroom. I recall looking out the window as recess or lunch approached, longing to be outside. The other memory I have of fourth grade is of a boy I liked who sat in the next row over and behind me. I don't recall his name, but I recall the emotion of a childhood crush. About one week into the next school year, I found myself sitting in a second row seat in a new classroom with a new teacher, Mr. Blazard. This is quite a jolting memory because I distinctly said to myself, what happened last year? Why don't I remember anything? Why do I feel like I just woke up? I still have no memory of those lost times, but I'm quite grateful I woke up and continued to learn. Now, my childhood is mainly a blur of salient moments and blank spaces where the unmentionable things happened. I did tell one of my girlfriends what was happening with my brother because I had no one else to confide in. I had so much shame and guilt over what had happened with him. And I felt like it was my fault that he never talked to me except when he wanted to do it. When my girlfriend and I had a falling out, as I walked away, she yelled, have fun sleeping with your brother or something similar. This led to more shame, more guilt, and knowing it isn't safe to tell anyone about what's happening. So I repressed until it was safe to wake up. Now, I don't blame her for any of this. This was my reaction to what she said. And kids can be mean. That's just how it is. It's an eerie feeling, the loss of time. When I was experiencing memory lapses, the book and movie Sybil were extremely popular. Sybil was horribly abused by her mother as a child. She beat her, sexually assaulted her, and to cope, she split into 16 personalities. Somehow, I saw the movie and read the book when I was 10 or 11. Now, my mother was a voracious reader, and most likely she just left the book lying around, and me, being curious, picked it up and read it too. But shortly after reading the book or watching the movie, I started to wonder if I was like Sybil. I had memory lapses and lost time. I was so frightened I was going to be like her. It's a torture not remembering, but knowing that I endured horrible and atrocious and horrifying violations for the sexual gratification of some man or boy man in whom I held trust and was an authority in my life can be hard. And it's infuriating. No amount of forgiveness or letting go will give me back my childhood or the lost memories. As I've said before, without the experiences of my childhood, I would not be who I am today. Self-sufficient, confident, resilient, and tenacious. I always felt like no one ever broke my spirit despite many attempts. Because I always came back spunky and sassy. The disassociation that I endured as a child kept my spirit from being broken. Now, the brain's job is to think. It's also there to protect you. Its elegant design protected me from reliving trauma over and over and over, and I'm grateful. I still have the common reactions to childhood trauma. I'm easily startled, and I have some problems sleeping and sometimes nightmares. But overall, the determination and grit I've developed goes right back to how my brain helped me relaunch from horrific abuse into my childhood. And I want to remind you that if this episode has brought up any repressed memories for you, please seek a qualified mental health professional to help you process your memories. Without the help of qualified professionals, I would not be where I am today. Next time, I'll continue with my childhood, talk about my first entrepreneurial effort and some dadisms. I'll see you then. If you like this episode, please subscribe so you won't miss any. Share with your friends and on social, and please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like it, feel free to donate to my Venmo at D-R-G-O-R-D-O-N. And please help me with my market research. Fill out the questionnaire at discover.drgordon.me. 
And to thank you for your time, I'll be inviting 10 of you who completely fill out the form to a free relaunch game plan call and help you uncover what's keeping you from launching your life. Thanks so much for listening and watching, and I'll see you next time.